Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everybody. Hi. Recording live from somewhere. What's good, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, and we have a ton to get to. I don't even know if we're going to have time to break down what happened on the ice this past weekend because the move that so many of you either feared or didn't want to happen, it finally went down. The end of the Patrick Liney era in Winnipeg is now complete. So we're going to break it all down in just a second here, but we got to get to this right off the bat because the big news in the sporting world is the Super Bowl 55 matchup is all set. That's right, pigskin fans. The moment you've waited for is finally here. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55, is bringing back their golden ticket giveaway with up to 55 mil in prizes up for grabs. Now, all you have to do to get your share of these huge prizes is enter DraftKings free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit those picks, you will get a free instant prize up to $25,000. So you don't even need any skill. You just got to hit submit essentially. And who knows how much money you might be pulling in. And if you also now have the most predictions, correct, you could win the top prize of a million dollars. Download the app. Now again, enter the free prediction challenge, answer simple questions like who will score last and boom, make it rain. Let the money flow down on top of you. DraftKings has also paid out seven billion dollars plus to its players since 2012 so they uh, know a thing or two about big paydays so again download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to enter the free 55 million dollar Super Bowl prediction challenge everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing Use promo code again, THPN now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge. Only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So make sure you check that out. I was in the DraftKings million-dollar pool for conference championship weekend. Yeah, it didn't go so well. Managed to sneak into the top 170,000, so I kind of missed out on on making a little bit of dough. But 
as far as the NFL could hope for, I, I mean, I wanted to see Rogers Mahomes, but I think for, for as far as the storylines go to have the young buck up against the old goat, it's going to be a pretty good Super Bowl. Buccaneers, Kansas City can't wait for that to get down. I mean, mainly for the football, but a lot of it has to be too with the Super Bowl feast that's going to take place on that day too. I, I, I am like two weeks out already trying to figure out the menu for the game day spread, how I can go about creating something a little bit different this year. So I was actually, you know, I'm a, I, t- to me, you can't have game day without wings. That's like the one mandatory ingredient, the one mandatory thing over everything else that has to be there, or it's just, it's not quite a game day feast. And I, I would have to say my favorite wing sauce, like it's either going to be Buffalo or something sweet and spicy. So I'm trying to think of a way to like zhuzh up just your regular Buffalo sauce. My, my move has been in the past to, I guess not confit garlic, but like cook garlic in oil until it gets nice and bubbly. And then you mix that instead of just butter in with the, the Tabasco hot sauce to get Buffalo sauce. And it's, it's outstanding. It's dynamite. It's super easy too. If you want to, Give that a try to uh, maybe shake up the way you do your buffalo sauce. But I want to go a step further. So I'm just wondering, you hit me up on Twitter at Brandon underscore wiki. I want to know your homemade hot sauce recipe. What's what's the go to? Because the homemade hot sauce just takes things to another level. So I'm trying to figure out, should I add some fruit? What kind of sweetener should I add? I, I want to. I just want to go a step above. So let me know again on Twitter at Brandon underscore wiki. I want to know your hot sauce recipes, and we'll make this Super Bowl game day feast along with DraftKings something to remember. Now, this past weekend was definitely something to remember for Jets fans. I don't know if you guys were shocked, didn't think it was going to happen, what the emotions were on the deal. I thought Patrick Line was going to get moved. I just didn't think it would be in season. I thought this was going to be something at the end of the year, before the draft, you would get a bidding more amongst different teams. And and then finally the Jets would make a decision that, you know, it's best for both sides that Patrick Lightning and the Winnipeg Jets mutually part ways. So there was a level of surprise to me. And it really it came to a head Friday night before it became official Saturday. You know, once the big dogs, the big insiders start to say a team is the front runner in a trade, you can basically write it down in pen. This is how it's gonna go down. I mean, it was just so clear on social media the initial reaction was a combination of anger. It was pretty much mostly anger, to be honest. There was a little bit of despair and sadness, but people were just pissed off that the number two overall pick of a few years ago is gone and out the door. The guy that was supposed to be Winnipeg superstar for 10 years and the marriage couldn't even last five, let alone 10 years. Look, I I was a little surprised at just how negative the reaction was. But then I thought, you know what? I I went through a similar thing in my fandom. So I'll just kind of relay my story. And I think the way I went about the reaction to that maybe mirrors and and help out a Jets fan who's still a little bit rattled about Patrick Liney heading to Columbus and Pierre-Luc Dubois coming to Winnipeg. As you may or may not know, I have been a diehard Flyers fan since birth. And just about 10, I think it might be 10 years ago right now, uh, there was the kind of like the red wedding day where Paul Holmgren said, Mike Richards, captain, see ya. 
Jeff Carter, best friend, 40 goal scorer, adios. And the team just, you know, basically ripped out the heart and the core all in one fell swoop completely out of nowhere. And the Jeff Carter one, it sucked, but there was a definite connection that I think all Flyers fans, myself included, had with Mike Richards. I mean, aside from the fact that he was the captain, he really was the heart and soul of that team. And he was a guy that, I mean, when you watch him, he just left every ounce on the ice. I, I mean, a fan favorite in the exact same way Patrick Liney was. They went about it completely different ways. But Mike Richards was supposed to be the guy that was going to bring the Cub back to Philadelphia. And now he's gone. Out of nowhere, he's just gone. And I remember when the trade happened, I was actually working. Uh, it would have been my early years in, in TSN 1290. I was on location. And I got the news on my phone. And I felt like throwing up. <laughs> I felt like getting sick. I, I was like, it just gutted me right to the core. And people were like, dude, are you okay? Like my, my boss was there. He's like, Brandon, do you need to go home? Like, it, are you sick or did, did something like, is there an emergency? And I think I, all I could muster out at the time was they're gone. They're gone. <laughs> and I, it, it really bothered me that, you know, whether it was right or wrong at the time and moving forward here that, Man, the guys that I loved watching to play more than anybody else, they're going to be wearing a new uniform, and there's a lot of unknowns. So I could totally, you know, looking back, empathize on the situation here in Winnipeg where there's a feeling like we lost something awesome, and we might never get that back. But as the days kind of passed by, you know, I, you slowly start to take maybe a more sober look at the trade, at what's coming back, what the team's going to look like moving forward. And I remember seeing the hall for those two trades. And then I was like, yeah, you know what? Maybe, you know, maybe you take a tiny step back, but it could be something special going on here with the construction of this team. And I thought, you know what? Richards to LA, you're getting Braden Shen, who at the time was, you know, maybe the best prospect in hockey. Wayne Simmons, who's just the, Wayne Simmons is just the best <laughs> and you know, the, the Couturier and the Voracek hall from Columbus. And then I thought, you know what? You're also getting this goalie from Arizona who, yeah, it's a big long contract, but he's never had a team in front of him like this. And then Ilya Brzezgalov just blew everything to hell. And I didn't feel too good about anything for a long time. So thankfully no goalie, no Russian goalies coming over from Columbus in this one. You don't have to worry about that. You got Connor Hellebuck in the net here. I guess we have to ask ourselves this, which is the main question anytime a trade is made, especially a hockey trade, right? Like sometimes there's trades where, you know, you move a guy for futures and you know what, you're not getting better in the moment, but you, you're just, you're doing the best for your organization at the time. But when it's a pure hockey trade, I think we need to ask the question this. Are the Jets a better hockey team today trading Patrick Line? For Pierre-Luc Dubois, we'll get into the Roslovic thing a little bit later on. I think the answer, for me at least, swapping Patrick Line for Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think the answer as of right now is yes. I think the Jets are a better team. And that's, and look, I was as high on Patrick Line as any Jet fan here in the city. I And I still think he can be a guy that, I think he can touch 50. I don't know if he will anymore. It's not the foregone conclusion it seemed after year two, 
but I just, I think the world of him, and I think he was going to have a huge, huge year in Winnipeg. And it's a shame that you know we didn't get to see it one last time. Although that was a hell of a parting gift, his final game against the Calgary Flames, pop it a couple times. But there's a hard truth when it comes to building a championship roster. Like there's just there there's some commandments that it seems like you have to follow. Maybe the biggest must have more so than anything is depth down the middle is having that one, two punch just about every single Stanley cup team. You can do the past 20 years, the past 30, 40 years, even if you just wanted to limit it to the past 20 years. So we have something recent here. I don't know if there's a team that didn't find a way to pull that off each and every year. It's just, it seems like it's mandatory you know, the, maybe the Blues to a tiny extent didn't have that, but I mean, Ryan O'Reilly won the damn Conn Smythe and Selkie trophy in the same season, and they had some tremendous underrated depth behind him down the middle. But I mean, the Caps have Kuznetsov, Backstrom, the Penguins, obviously what was going on there, Chicago, LA, Pittsburgh again, Boston with Bergeron and Krejci, Detroit with Datsuk, and I mean, Zetterberg at times played center, but you had that duo there. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. It seems like you need to have two big dogs right down the middle. And the Winnipeg Jets have that now. They they have it. It costs them a pretty penny, but there's no doubting that down the middle, this is by far the deepest this organization has ever been in their existence. And that goes a long way come playoff time. It sucks, but in my opinion, it's the proper way to build a forward core. The center position is just... It's just, there's no way about it. It's way more valuable than having, you know, some proficient production out there on the wing. And so what the Jets did is, and what I thought would eventually have to come to a head is move your position of strength for a position of weakness. I didn't think they were going to get a number one defenseman for Patrick Liney. So that option was off the table for them. So the next move was to get somebody down the middle. I just don't think it was going to be sustainable for Winnipeg to have all these wingers, two of them being poor defensively on top of it, making up, I don't know, 20, 25 mil, maybe 30 mil of the cap, right? Like it's just, you can't pay that much to your wingers by sacrificing depth down the middle. And it just, yeah, it sucks that Patrick Liney was the guy that had to move, but I still believe that this was a pretty good trade for both sides So that's the composition aspect of the deal. The other thing that I think has to be taken into account before we dive into some other issues here, and we just can't ignore it, is the salary cap aspect of the situation. You know, this for this season, things are are going to be the same. Essentially, the Jets are retaining money on Line A's contract, so it's money in, money out. We can kind of look at it through that lens. But, you know, even next year, Pierre-Luc Dubois still has one year left on his deal at five mil. Patrick Line is going to be an RFA with arbitration rights, a qualifying offer that's likely to be well over $7 million. You know, there's the potential next year that even if, whether or not Patrick Liney signs long-term in Columbus, whatever the move is, that Dubois at five could be as much as $4 million less than Patrick Liney at nine, $3 million less than Patrick Liney at eight. And even if you love Patrick Liney, it's kind of hard to argue, you know, would you rather have Patrick Liney at $9 million per season or would you rather have Pierre-Luc Dubois at five mil 
And then you have an extra three, four mil, whether you want another winger to replace line a, or, or maybe you pool some of that money to get an impact defenseman. I, I think it's hard to say that, you know, if it's $9 million that you can feel the better team with Dubois and something else, as opposed to just line a, let alone what line a is going to garner over the next several years. It's likely to be closer to 10 mil. I, I just, I don't think we can take that out of the equation. Also, Pierre-Luc Dubois has another year of team control. So it's not the two years that Patrick Laine has. It's three years. So there's, you know, if the Jets wanted to not play hardball, but keep things short term with the flat cap, they could sign Pierre-Luc Dubois to another three-year deal. And then they would still have him before he hits UFA. And then you make a decision on that. But there's a ton of options here as well. And, and there's no doubt from a salary cap perspective, I think this puts the Jets in a much a much cozier position. They have a lot more options at the very least. You know, we brought up an interesting thing that there were a little bit of rumors about on the big show, but there's some talk that, you know, even if Patrick Liney likes Columbus, that he's going UFA the, the second that he's able to, that it's going to be another two-year contract or maybe, you know, two one-year contracts, whatever it is, and he's going to walk as a UFA and pick and choose where he wants to play. Like go the NBA player empowerment route. And that it was going to happen, whether it was Winnipeg or Columbus or basically anywhere, that Patrick Liney is kind of set on becoming a UFA. And that's a really interesting wrinkle. And I think maybe heightens Kevin Chivaldayoff's mindset of we need to move Patrick Liney sooner than later. I don't think we can necessarily take that out of the equation when we look at this deal. That the Jets know what Patrick Liney was A, asking on a long-term deal or a longer term deal and B whether or not he ultimately wanted to stay in Winnipeg. Like it's, it's things we don't necessarily know at the moment, but I think it's fair to say that maybe there should be a bit of trust put into, you know, what the GM knows more so than any of us do. Now we have to talk about the elephant in the room and it came out in a piece by Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg free press, a great piece, just kind of looking at what led to the, I guess the the dissolving of the marriage between Patrick Liney and the Winnipeg Jets. And midway through the piece, the locker room is brought up. And and Mike kind of presents both sides to the story that, you know, source A says that it's Shifley and Wheeler that are to blame and that, you know what, they were way too hard on Patrick Liney, you know, weren't welcoming to him. Maybe didn't, I don't want to say coddle because that's not the right word, but you know, just didn't go out of their way to make him feel welcome or threatened, whatever it may be. And they made life hard on Patrick. And that ultimately led to Patrick Liney and the team deciding that it's, it's best for us to part ways. And then there was source B who said, no, this is all on one guy and one guy alone. And that's Patrick Liney whose lackadaisical attitude led to a rift between not only he and Shifley and Wheeler, but a bunch of other players on the team. And eventually it was just too much and a move had to be made. Now we don't know, and I don't know if we'll ever know which side is ultimately correct, but <laughs> you know, it's funny in, in, in sports talk radio, either one of those, like from our perspective is the option to go with either you go with that one where this guy's at fault or this guy's at fault. You want to go to one of the extremes if you can. But in reality, the truth is usually somewhere in between. It's a, it's a lot less provocative and controversial. But to me, it's generally closer to where 
the truth lies. And I, I, I would agree with that in this situation where look, I don't, at this point, I don't think it's any surprise that Patrick Liney and Mark Shifley didn't get along. I don't know if it was a matter of being threatened or just, you know, two, two high end guys that wanted the same position, but I don't think Patrick Liney and Blake Wheeler sought. I don't think Patrick Liney and Blake Wheeler saw eye to eye as well. And I, I think there was a little bit of turbulence with that relationship on top of it. So, I mean, that could be true where there were some issues between those guys and, and maybe others in the locker room as well. But I, I don't necessarily think it's fair to just blame one part. Like, I think, I think everyone is kind of to blame here. It's not just one thing. Could Patrick Liney have maybe worked harder and presented a more intense professional, I guess, experience? I guess, yeah, maybe he could have. Could Wheeler and Shifley have been a little more easygoing, maybe just dialed it back a little bit with Patrick because he's a different guy. Yeah. That I think that would have helped as well, but ultimately it just, I, I don't know if the mix was ever going to work. And I do, you know, at times like these, because we know that especially a guy like Blake Wheeler, who's so intense and, and, and maybe stubborn to a point. I wonder if losing a guy like Dustin Bufflin maybe wouldn't have helped the situation out a little more. You know what I mean? Like buff is a guy that loves to keep it light you know, everything's, it's it's fun. He provides more of that, you know, fun-loving atmosphere. And I, I wonder if the Jets maybe couldn't use a little bit of that to balance out some of the more harder-edge things that are brought out with that leadership core. But that's neither here nor there. I, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily a, a toxic place. But we'll see what happens moving forward with the rest of the roster. If the rest of these guys have a problem with, with what's going on there, or is it maybe just that some people don't fit in well into certain situations and Patrick Liney goes out there to Columbus, even with a, a coach like John Tortorella, he just fits in better. It could be like some, sometimes no one's to blame in these situations where, you know what? I, I'm just not comfortable here. I don't like the vibe. We, we see that all the time in, in various workplaces. So I, I don't want to, again, with the locker room thing, I don't want to blame one side or the other. I, I think everybody shoulders a little bit of the brunt of, you know, ultimately the dismissal and the move of a high end young player. It, it just really is unfortunate. That's the thing. It just sucks that it couldn't work out here. It sucks that Patrick Liney, you know, couldn't score 50 in a jets uniform and, you know, doesn't play another 10 years and you see him mold and grow as a young dude into a, into a man. It, it, it sucks, but, this is, it's how life works. It's how pro sports works. And, and the jets decided that it's best to just move on and let's try to make the best of this situation. So let's go into that. Then just the straight up Dubois versus line, a discussion, because in my opinion, the trade is, I, I, I know it's not necessarily true, but I look at this trade as, you know, two individual trades into one bigger one. I do think it was Jack Roslevic for a third, and I do think it was Patrick Liney for Pierre-Luc Dubois. So I, I saw a lot of the argument around this. A lot of the conversation was, you don't trade a superstar like Patrick Liney for a, I don't know if you want to call him a 1B center, but, you know, not, not an upper echelon elite centerman in the NHL. So the, I, there was a lot of talk that you don't make that move no matter what. And I don't really agree with that at all. I think it's underrating Pierre-Luc Dubois a little bit, and I think maybe overrating Patrick Liney a little bit as well. The reason I say that is 
I don't want to call Patrick Line necessarily an empty calorie scorer, but there's no doubt he did most of his damage on the power play. He got better five on five as the years went along, but that's where the most of Patrick Line's damage was done. And there's no doubt there were defensive issues. There were play driving issues. There, there are some definite holes in Patrick Line's game. And so I, I mean, maybe the superstar label is tagged on him more so because he just kind of has that aura around him more so than necessarily performance on the ice. But I think it completely undermines what Pierre-Luc Dubois has done in a tough scoring environment in Columbus over the past few years as well. I mean, it's not like the Jets are getting to 26, 27-year-old centerman who's already reached the peak of his powers. You can make the case Pierre-Luc Dubois the same way with Patrick Laine that he's just starting to enter and, and and get closer and closer to what his peak performance might be like. And that's a great thought for Jets fans that, you know, a centerman at six foot three that, you know, is just starting to come into his own here. That is a dangerous weapon to have in your top six. And even with Patrick Laine's goal scoring prowess, you might be shocked to learn that Pierre-Luc Dubois five on five actually outscored Patrick Laine over the last three seasons. He outscored him 43 to 37 and had a 92 to 76 even strength points edge over Patrick Laine. That number, by the way, was good for 40th in the NHL over that time span. I think he was you know, right at the top 20 of centermen in the NHL, despite being 20, 21, 22 at the time. Doing so with just 17, 43 a night. He's not playing, you know, the 21, 22 minutes that Mark Shifley is. So this is a really efficient five on five score. And the fact that it's a bonus that he's down the middle, those, those dudes are hard to find. So if you're still a little bit upset and wondered, hey, did we get enough in return for Patrick Laine? I, I think we need to really look at what Pierre-Luc Dubois has done in Columbus over the past couple of years and maybe get a little bit excited about this. I really think he's going to fit in well here. Not to mention the fact that in the playoffs last year, the, I mean, the cat was absolutely on fire. He was Columbus's best player by a mile, best forward by a mile. I mean, if you're getting that guy moving forward, then things get really, you know, you might not have gotten a 1B center. You might have gotten a 1A center for Patrick Liney. So I'm really high on Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think Jets fans are going to love him. And I guess ultimately to wrap things up on this trade talk, you know, I think both sides won on this deal. <laughs> it's not like a team has to demonstrably in a big way win this one over another. I think both clubs got what they wanted out of the deal. They had somebody who wasn't happy in their current situation. They flipped them for each other. Columbus way more starved for the quote-unquote superstar, but at least that high-end offensive production guy, the Jets already have a number of those. And they needed, you know, a little bit more depth down the middle. I don't want to necessarily say two-way play, but just they just wanted another great centerman, and that's what they got in Pierre-Luc Dubois. So all in all, I think the deal was was a pretty good one for both sides here. I, I guess, you know, maybe the disappointing part for me is just that Jack Roslevic only fetched a third-round pick. That's a pretty underwhelming return for Jack Roslovic, who, you know, whatever you think of him, to me, he's still a productive third-line player. And the Jets could use another one of those right now, and they're not getting one back. And and I don't know if they will for a third-round pick if they try to shop that around and, and see what they can grab out of somebody else in the NHL. 
Um, but I think ultimately why the move was made for something less than what you would hope to get. I, I was thinking maybe a second round pick, but I can understand if you're Kevin shovel day off the trades on the table, you have anywhere up to 10 other teams with serious offers three that probably had very, very competitive offers. Are you going to jeopardize a trade that you like because you want a second round pick over a third round pick? You know what I mean? I, like, I don't think so. So I understand I understand Kevin Sheveldayoff maybe biting the bullet a little bit and going, eh, it's not what I want, but ultimately am I, am I getting the package that I've been going after? Yeah, so let's let's make the move and we can just move forward. Two guys that don't want to be here are now gone. We can move forward with the group that we have, and we'll see how that works. But I'm pretty high on the move, and I think Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to be great here in Winnipeg. Now that, I mean, he's not he's here now. He's not going to be on the ice for the team just yet. But I think we should look at what a potential lineup could be now that Pierre-Luc Dubois is here. And I, I think there's two options that the, that the Jets can go through. I, I don't even know which one's more likely. Maybe it's the first one here. And the first one would be basically nothing changes. The only change that's made is Pierre-Luc Dubois comes onto the second line. And I, either he or Paul Stasny would move to the wing. Either way, you would have a trio on the second line of Dubois, Ehlers, Stasny. Both of those guys, by the way, can play out there on the wing. You would then move uh, Andrew Kopp down, back with Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton. And then a fourth line, and, and I do think, by the way, that if Adam Lowry is going to be the third line center on this team, that I think David Gustafson is going to be the guy down the middle of the fourth line. You know, Nate Thompson's injury is going to give David Gustafson a chance. I don't think Nate Thompson has a whole lot left in the tank, to be honest. But I, I think it's I, – I just don't see why the Jets wouldn't give Gustafson a longer look. And he's looked pretty good in limited time so far this season. So you would have a bottom six of Lowry, Cop Appleton, Gus, Harkins, and Trevor Lewis. I, I mean, you're sacrificing the center depth that you kind of acquired with Dubois in the deal. So that – I mean, that's why I don't necessarily want to go down that route. Um, but there's no doubt. I mean, Dubois, either Stasny, that is, it, it, I don't, I don't like it because you sacrifice a center to move out to the wing, but that line sounds good as hell. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of torn a little bit on that one because I want to see those three in action, but I ultimately don't know if that's the best way to optimize this jets forward core. Now, the other one would be a complete shakeup of everything that the Winnipeg jets do. So you would have a top line of Shifley, Ehlers and Wheeler, the top line that started the season with the team. Then you would go Dubois down the middle on line two with Kyle Connor and Andrew Kopp. A third line of Paul Stasny, Jansen Harkins, and Mason Appleton. And then a fourth line of Adam Lowry down the middle with Trevor Lewis and Matthew Perot. That is a lineup that is deep as hell guys. That's what really intrigues me about that. And you can, if you want to swap Ehlers, Connor, if you want to swap Appleton and Perot, whatever it is, the the main gist of that argument is Shifley, Dubois, Stasny, Lowry down the middle. I don't know if another team in the NHL one through four has as good of a lineup at Centerman than the Winnipeg Jets would at that point. I really don't. It's it's something that would be the envy of the entire league. You're sacrificing a little bit out there on the wing, but man, oh man, are you ever good down the middle? 
and I, I don't know which way the Jets are going to go, to be honest. I, I, I would love to know what you guys think. What, what's, the better, what's the better forward lineup once Pierre-Luc Dubois makes his debut in about 10 days or so? Would you rather go Shifley, Dubois, Stasny, Lowry down the middle? Or would you load up that second line and have Dubois, Ehlers, and Stasny and let Adam Lowry keep centering that third line? Which, to be fair to Adam Lowry, he's been, he's been really, really good this season. He's been really strong, so I can understand why Paul Maurice might want to keep that line together moving forward. Now, you know, I mentioned kind of the the preferred lineup I had there, and we should probably talk about this quickly before we go, and I'll tee up what we have on tap for Friday's show. But we got to talk about what in the world is going on with Shifley Connor Wheeler. This is a big problem with the team. And that, that's why I wonder, that's why maybe more so my concerns about Dubois, either Stasny is just that Shifley, Connor Wheeler are kept together. I don't know if you can play those three anymore because as brilliant as they are offensively and Shifley and Connor are almost damn near leading the league in scoring right now, they give it right back up the other way. They're just awful defensively. And I don't know if Paul Maurice is going to be able to have those three be anything other than break even, which isn't good enough for the top line. I mean, they're just too skilled to be this bad defensively. And you saw it again in the Edmonton game. And look, I, I hate continuously harping on this guy for it, but at some point you just need more from Mark Shifley defensively. I mean, he leaves his guy wide along Yamamoto at the side of the net for an easy tap. And it was a great play by Connor McDavid, but time and time again, we just see Mark Shifley make mistake after mistake in the defensive zone. Kyle Connor is just not a good defensive winger. That's I, I, I think Jets fans are just going to have to live with that fact. He's going to score. He's going to score a crap load of goals that he's going to be a net positive player, but he's just not going to be a good defensive player. And I think, you know, and this might be as concerning as anything else is that it looks like Blake Wheeler has lost a pretty big step so far this season. And he started off slow last year, so we can't say... You know, regression is finally hitting the big guy, but there's no doubt he has not been good inside his own zone as well. So I don't know how much longer you can keep running those guys out. Maybe it was just a bad game. We'll see what they do Tuesday night against the Oilers. And then if that line's still together Saturday against Vancouver, what the move is, if that was just an off night for them. But they need more out of Mark Shifley. And I think at some point it might just come down to it that, you know what? We can't rely on those three as our top line anymore. Either they're line two, and Dubois Stasny Ehlers is going to be the first line because you trust them more, or you have to split this up and, and find a different way to roll with the forward lines moving forward. All right, well, that does it for us here for another episode of Skates and Plates. Um, so we'll look ahead to Friday's episode. What we got on tap for that will break down only one game this week. Jets-Oilers 2.0 on Tuesday night. So we'll break down that one in full. That'll be, you know, one of the main focuses, and we'll do a deep dive into some of the big plays, see if the Jets can bounce back and maybe push back towards first in the North Division. I also want to know Super Bowl game day recipes. What's your go-to? Like, what are the items you absolutely have to have on your game day feast? And let me know your homemade hot sauces. Let's do a little hot sauce recipe swabbing, okay? We'll see if we can come up with the ultimate wing flavor. I, I got to figure out something. I want to do it a little bit differently. Maybe you guys could help me out. And then on top of that, we're going to talk with some interesting dudes. 
I don't know if you guys have seen or heard of Cosmos Food Cantina, the Space Cowboys. These guys are out of this world. They are as unique as it gets. You have to tune in. If you like to partake too, you might want to you might want to enjoy a substance or two because these guys are trippy as hell. I'm super jacked to talk to them and find out what's going on with their crazy menu, how they how they got started. It's it's going to be a fascinating discussion. So Cosmos is coming up on Friday as well. But that's it for today. Again, guys, thanks so much for listening to Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Also, don't forget, sign up for DraftKings using promo code THPN. Get ready for the big game. But until Friday, peace.